Life Audio. Now, I know that this subject can be a little bit cumbersome, if I can put it that way, for some Christian parents. Some of you might feel like, you know what, I'm struggling in my own faith, let alone trying to teach my children about their own faith. Or maybe some of you feel like you're ill-equipped, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to start the conversations. Maybe some of you are coming into this conversation having raised your children and feeling a tinge of guilt because maybe you were not in your faith while you were raising your children, or maybe you were in your faith. However, you really were not proactive or intentional about teaching your kids. So this episode, I feel like it's going to cross all of those categories. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Love. We say the word so often, but do we truly know what it means? Join me on a journey through the timeless truths of 1 Corinthians 13 as we delve into the real meaning of love. Get your copy of my latest devotional, Love Is, and be transformed as you experience verses like love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't demand its own way. Let these sacred words ignite the flames of kindness, compassion, and true love within you. The Love Is Devotional invites you to grow deeper in your relationships by providing discussion questions, affirmations, guided meditations, and prayers. It's time to dive deep. True love awaits. Get your digital and printable devotional today at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash love is. That's realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash love is. Hello, hello, my friends. This is Dana Shea. Thank you so much for listening to Real Relationship Talk. I am really happy that you all are here today on this episode, but I'm also a little bit sad because this episode is actually concluding our marriage and family series that we've been doing on the podcast. So if you've been following along, you all know that this series was really dedicated to how we can parent our kids better. We talked all about seven lessons that your marriage is teaching your children. We've talked about why your kids need you to get a room. That was one of my favorite episodes. We talked about how to actually disagree when you discipline your children and not lose your marriage. And that was one uh, that my husband, Sean, actually joined me on. And uh, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about how putting your kids first harms your marriage. And today we are going to talk about probably the most important subject, what I believe is really our greatest call as Christian parents, as parents of faith, which is to teach our children how to follow Christ. Now, I know that this subject can be a little bit cumbersome, if I can put it that way, for some Christian parents. Some of you might feel like, you know what, I'm struggling in my own faith, let alone trying to teach my children about their own faith. Or maybe some of you feel like you're ill-equipped, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to start the conversations. Maybe some of you are coming into this conversation having raised your children and feeling a tinge of guilt because maybe you were not in your faith while you were raising your children, or maybe you were in your faith. However, you really were not proactive or intentional about teaching your kids. So this episode, I feel like it's going to cross all of those categories and more. 
And I am really, really blessed to have with us today a special guest. Her name is Elizabeth Urbanowitz. I had to pronounce that or practice that pronunciation several times. Um, But Elizabeth is actually a follower of Jesus. She loves children. She loves Jesus. She loves being able to teach not only children, but parents and churches and educators how to teach the word of God and how to teach children about a relationship with God in very practical, tangible ways. So she holds a master's in Christian apologetics. She also has a master's in education. So this lady knows her stuff. She's such a sweet spirit. I so enjoyed our conversation. And as a mother, I was encouraged by this conversation myself, not just as a podcast host, but as a mom. She really helped to encourage me because I too and still raising my children, even the adult kids. And that's what I really want to say is that as parents, you never really technically stop raising your children. Like your children might leave your home. You don't have necessarily the same influence. They are not necessarily under your rules anymore, but you will always have an influence on your children's lives. And so for those of you who might be thinking, yeah, this conversation isn't necessarily relevant to me because my kids are grown you still can have a very powerful influence in how they view their relationship with the Lord. Now, whenever we're talking specific about uh, faith and about Christianity, I always want to include all of you who might be listening today who are not in your faith, who do not espouse the same values or beliefs that we have as Christians. Now, this episode obviously is going to kind of go there. Um, So if you don't have any kind of value for the Christian faith, this one might not be as applicable to you, but I would still encourage you to listen along. And if you are someone who maybe you're not a parent, you've just been listening to this whole family, um, marriage and family series because you've enjoyed it, or maybe you want to share this information with someone that you do know who can use it, I would certainly encourage you all to always be sharing the episodes. So with that in mind, Let's go ahead and get ready for an incredible conversation that I had with the wise, the anointed, the super sweet Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Elizabeth, I'm so happy and excited to have this conversation with you today. This is a topic, raising your children to know the Lord is really something that is near and dear to my heart. So welcome to the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Dana. It's a joy to be with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we were kind of chatting it up in the before we started recording here. And it's interesting because I was just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a mom friend of mine and both of our kids or well, I have four kids, but my two youngest ones are in high school. And we were talking about how after high school, so many Christian kids leave the faith. And I love something that you have on your website, I believe. And you have this quote and you said that the Christian youth exodus doesn't begin with teens. It begins with kids. And I was like, whoa, like I had to really like sit there and think about that for a second, because so oftentimes we think, oh, they're going to lose their faith when they go to college or they're going to stop becoming, you know, stop really living for the Lord as teenagers. But you say that it actually starts from childhood. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Good question. Well, an analogy I like to think of is just growing plants. You know, when a plant, you know, whether it's a plant that we want there or whether it's a weed, whenever it shoots up, it didn't just happen overnight. Now the the above the surface growth might have happened overnight. However, but for days, potentially even weeks or months before that, 
the roots of that plant was germinating underground. And so what we're seeing with our children, you know, so many of them choosing to walk away from the faith when they're in college, you know, it's not that they've never had any questions, they've never had any doubts, they've had like this thriving relationship with Jesus, and then suddenly they do a 180 and leave. It's just there's lots of little things brewing beneath the surface that we've never noticed. And sometimes we might notice it here and there, but we might think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Where my background is in elementary education. And so I started off my professional career as an elementary educator in a Christian school. And I noticed with my third graders that, you know, they loved Jesus. They knew all the Bible verses. They knew all the Bible stories. You know, um, they loved to sing worship songs. You know, they knew all the right answers in Bible class. You know, you say God, Jesus, and the Bible, pat on the back, high five, tootsie roll. But when it came to actually evaluating the ideas that were coming their way in culture, they didn't have any tools to do so. And so therefore, even as third graders, they were just subtly absorbing lies from the culture. And that's what's happening so often with our children. And then these lies, they take root beneath the surface. And then given the right amount of time and the right environment, eventually they do come to the surface. And so that's why we have that quote on our website, just to help people start thinking, you know, we don't want to wait until we see this weed pop up in the garden before we address it. We actually want to be proactive at tending the soil and making sure that we're planting the right things and giving our kids the skills that they need to evaluate the many ideas that come their way every day. Good, good. So how can a parent know like, oh, there are weeds in my kid's garden? Like what are some practical things that a parent should be aware of as their children start to kind of um, begin this progression away from faith, if I can put it that way? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think I think we need to start thinking of things a little bit differently than when we were growing up, because a lot of times this is just what we do. We think, oh, when I was growing up, this is how it was. And so I should do that. And now the truth of the matter is that God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And his word never changes. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. So those two things, praise God, are unchanging. But what is changing is the culture around us. And so the weeds that are being sown in our kids' gardens are different than the ones that were coming after us because just with the prevalence of information you know even if we're very careful even if our kids you know don't get a cell phone you know for years until after most of their friends have and even if we're careful about screen time still in one year of our kids lives they're going to be confronted with more competing ideas than most people throughout human history have been confronted with in their entire lives wow. and so what we need to do to prepare them looks different and so a great just kind of like baseline question that I say that parents can ask kids just to kind of just get an idea. Okay, has my kid kind of already bought into some of the lies of culture? Is to just ask kids a simple question and say, okay, I have a question for you. I want you to think about, you know, what are some things that you know that are true? You know, let them tell you some things they know that are true. What are some things you know that are not true? Okay, and then say, okay, I want you to think about this first. Is the truth true for everyone? Or does the truth change from person to person to person? Now, some kids will say, no, the truth is the same for everyone, which we know that's how real life works. It doesn't matter whether we know, understand, or believe in gravity. We are all affected by the laws of gravity. Um, And so we we understand that, that truth is the same from person to person. But so many kids, just because from the youngest of age, we're, we're constantly told in this culture, you do you, figure out who you are, be the best that you can be. You figure out what your truth is. Most kids will say, no, the truth does change from person to person. So I think that's a really baseline question because 
if our kids have tons of Bible verses memorized, you know, they might even have John 14, 6 memorized, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if they believe that that's just true for some people, simply because some people feel really strongly about it, they have completely missed the foundation of the Christian worldview, that the Christian worldview is built on the objective claim that Jesus died, was buried, he was buried, and he rose again from the grave and ascended into heaven. And so I think that's just a really good baseline for parents to be able to ask their kids. Another great question is, you know, a lot of times we hear that we should follow our hearts. What do you think about that? Do you think it's a really good idea for us to follow our hearts, or do you think that's not such a good idea? Because that is just such a prevalent lie in our culture, which scripture teaches just the opposite, you know, that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things and no one can understand it. Um, so I think those, those questions, you know, about the truth being true for everyone, and then should we follow our hearts? Those are just some baseline questions parents can ask kids to think, hmm, how much have my children already bought into the lies of the culture? Or are there some lies we've kind of, you know, circumnavigated, we've gone around, but we want to make sure we're direct, directly addressing. I love those two questions so much, Elizabeth. I think about parents who, um, you know, we call it the drop-off mentality. And, you know, as I'm a pastor at my church, and one of the things that we see a lot is Christian parents, well-intended, great people who will bring their kids to church and be like, here you go, you know, teach them, teach them about God, teach them all the things. Mm -hmm. And then they go home and there's no reinforcement. There's no discipleship, like zero happening at home Mm -hmm. or even parents like you, you know, you were a Christian school teacher. And so there will be parents who will send their kids to Christian school Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, we're going to church. We're sending our kids to Christian school. Surely they are going to be absorbing this information. What would you say to parents in a way that we're not trying to shame parents, but also we are mm-hmm. trying to kind of call parents up a little bit to the fact that you are really the most important influence, not necessarily your Christian school or your Christian church. Yes, I have so much to say for that. So I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> but as you mentioned, you know, scripture is clear. Every time scripture talks about children being raised up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, who is the command given to? It's not given to the priest. It's not given to the prophet. It's not given to the community at large. It's given to the parents. Right. And so when we look at scripture, scripture is clear that God has set up the family unit as the basic building block of society. And so parents have the job as the primary disciple makers of their kids. Now, that doesn't mean that parents can't utilize other resources. Like there are much worse things you can do than to send your kids to a Christian school. That's that's a really great thing. You know, there's much worse things you can do than drop your kids off at VBS. Like those are beneficial things that can be very helpful for the kid. However, those are like the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. If you try to make a whole cake out of icing, it's just going to melt and fall down because, you know, icing was never designed to be the structure of the cake. And so parents have to view themselves as the primary disciple makers. And even just as a little bit, just a little bit of history. I'm I'm a his, I'm not a history buff, but I'm a little bit of a history nerd because I just kind of always need to understand what's the big picture, like how did we get here? And so often we just view the world around us and we're just like, oh yeah, that's the way things have always been, without understanding actually the context, the historical context. And actually the, even the idea of kids ministry that was not even invented until just a little over a hundred years ago. Mm. And so you think about almost for almost 2000 years in church history, there was no such thing as children's ministry. (laughs) There was no such thing as vacation Bible school or teen summer camp. And yet Christians were faithfully making disciples of the next generation. And really what happened is the idea of Sunday school started in the late 17, early 1800s in the Clapham sect in England by by three sisters, the Moore sisters. And their goal is they wanted to teach 
reading and the Bible to children who have worked in factories six days a week and never were able to go to school. So they had this open air Sunday school and it was an evangelistic outreach. Well, then over the years that came within the walls of the church and stopped being evangelistic. It was like, oh, let's do this for our own people. And then what happened is soon we then just adopted the model of the secular humanist education system in the U.S. and said, you know what, we have third graders here and we have fourth graders here and we have fifth graders here. Let's bring this into the church. But those who did that didn't really know the history of the U.S. education. And the goal of that, why we divide kids by ages and stages, is so that we break down the family ties so that kids can learn a completely different worldview. So that's the history, you know, of even how this started in churches. And so I'm not saying everybody needs to pull their kids out of kids ministry or never send them there again, but we need to understand that this is the history and therefore it cannot be the primary way in which we're making disciples of our children. Oh, that's so helpful to know. And I know a lot of parents, myself included, really didn't even know the whole history mm -hmm. behind that. So I want to definitely talk about like, what are some practical things that parents can do to teach their kids, to disciple their kids? But first, we're going to take a little break so that we can hear a word from our sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. All right, Elizabeth. Well, I want to really, really start to kind of nail down, like as a parent, I'm thinking about, let's say a parent, just trying to get like an avatar in my mind, if you will, like a parent <laughs> who is either maybe a single parent, or even if they are a married couple who are trying to raise their children, maybe they don't feel like they're very strong in their own faith. So they're not necessarily reading their Bible. Or they go to church because it's what you should do, but they're, they feel like they're struggling themselves. And now they're like, and we're supposed to teach our children how to know this Jesus and how to live for him. And we have no idea where to start. So can you give parents some practical tips on like, we know that this is important. We know that the biblical command is that we raise our children to know the Lord. Where should a parent start? 
Yes, and I really like the way you phrase the introduction to that question because we cannot pass along to our kids something that we don't have. You know, it's it's the same with food. You know, like if we haven't made something for dinner, we can't feed it to our kids. Like these things don't happen out of thin air. So actually the two things that you mentioned are what I would recommend, that scripture is foundational, that scripture is the written word of God. It's what the Holy Spirit uses through his power to sanctify us, to transform us, to conform us more into the image of Christ. It's also what the Holy Spirit uses to transform our minds. So our kids can't love God. They can't truly know God. They can't think biblical thoughts if they're not grounded in the scripture. So that's the first thing that I would encourage parents to do. You know, whether you're in a situation where, you know, only one parent has to work outside the home and the other parent, you know, from full-time parent, or whether you're in a single parenting family situation, that reading scripture should be top, it should be top priority. Now, there, you might not have more than 10 to 15 minutes a day to be able to sit down and actually read scripture. But 10 to 15 minutes a day added up over a year, that is hours and hours and hours and hours of time. Also, think about the little moments of your day. What are little moments of your day when you can listen to the word of God? Because at pretty, I'm sure most people, if not everyone listening to this podcast has a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And on our smartphones, we can have Bible apps where the Bible can actually be read out loud to us. I mean, like how incredible is that? Right, like, how for, easy. You know, for, Yes, like for most of human history, you would actually have to pay someone to sit down and read out loud to you where we have these devices where we can, you know, just listen to God's word anytime, you know, so as you're, you know, taking a shower in the morning or in the evening or as you're brushing your teeth or as you're cooking dinner or as you're driving your kids to soccer practice, put on God's word and listen to it. Um, and then just to make sure that we're, act, we're actually reading God's word and understanding what it means is there's a big error in our time and culture where we've kind of bought into this postmodern worldview of like, oh, you know, when I read something, it's what does it mean to me? Where it's like, no, the Bible doesn't mean different things to different people. People right. might understand it differently, but yeah. God had an intended meaning there. Right. And so rather than saying, okay, like what verse can I take? And that can be my verse for the day. You know, this isn't about how is this going to encourage me for the day? It's what is this revealing about God? Yes. You know, because it's as we learn who God is and fix our eyes on him, that then we're going to be transformed. So whenever we're listening, you know, or reading a passage of scripture, just to ask ourselves, you know, what, what, what is revealed about God in this passage? And we can do the same thing with our kids. You know, we can read a chapter over breakfast or over dinner, you know, and are our kids going to be perfectly still and sit there, you know, especially if they're little, no, they're not, it's going to be distracting and it's going to be a little bit chaotic, but we can still push through, you know, and we can read scripture with them and just ask them that question. What does this chapter, what does this passage reveal about who God is. That's the first thing that I would recommend, you know, immersing ourselves in scripture and just, you know, thinking about, okay, what little moments in my day can I reclaim by listening to scripture? And then um, the second thing that I would recommend that we do is we need to really be rooted in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Because yes, the family is the basic building block of society. And it's the parents who God has given the primary responsibility of making disciples of their children. However, when God called us to himself, when God reconciled us to himself, we are actually united with Christ, which means that we have become part of the body of Christ. And so sometimes, especially in the U.S. or in other westernized cultures, we kind of have this very individualistic mindset, you know, like it's me and Jesus, or mm -hmm. it's me and my family and Jesus. And yes, God does save us individually. 
However, but he does not save us unto himself individually. He saves us unto his body. And so to make sure that we're really living life as the body of Christ, you know, when's the last time that we opened up our home and had a family or a couple or a single person or a teenager over for dinner and just practice biblical hospitality? And when I say hospitality, I don't mean um, Southern hosting. And I can say that because I live in the South. (laughs) Um, I don't mean, you know, like making sure our house is completely clean and putting out this amazing spread. I mean, if we have pizza for dinner every Tuesday, we unlock our door and say, Hey, come on over, join our family for pizza. (laughs) You know, and we just enjoy fellowship around the table. You know, when's the last time that we reached out to someone in the church and, you know, just asked how we could help them, how we could serve them. Because if our children are reconciled in their relationship to God, they too have been called into the body of Christ. So while they're still in our homes, we have to give them a taste of what does this mean? That church is not a service on Sunday. Sunday is a corporate worship service. Mm. Church is the body of Christ. Mm. And so we want to make sure our kids get a taste of that. So those are the two top things I'd recommend scripture and the body of Christ. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I love that so much. I literally just did a podcast episode. We have uh, what we call faith Fridays where every Friday we kind of deviate a little bit from relationship talk. And we really talk about like issues surrounding our faith. And this is open for anyone. Mm. If someone is not in their faith yet, or if they're curious about the Christian faith or someone who's really strong in their faith, but we talked about the body of Christ and I call it Jesus Mm. Island. I say a lot of times people, get saved they they come to faith and they go off on jesus island just me and jesus Mm -hmm. me and my own personal Mm -hmm. relationship with jesus and you'll even see and i was guilty of this when my kids were really little is i would be in my room having my quiet time with jesus with the lord and my kids would come in the room and i'd be like get out i'm trying to read my bible you know what i mean and (laughs) and realizing like how terrible is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like what would be better is for me to say, Hey, come in here. I'm actually reading my Bible. Let me, do you know this verse? Like this verse has really got me thinking. I am really stumped on this verse right here. Really like bringing them into the conversation. And that's what I do now. You know, my older kids, even I have two adult kids, two teenagers. And one of the things that I'm constantly doing is talking to them about what I'm reading in the word, encouraging them to be reading their word too. And in the car, I love that you talked about like finding those little moments where it's the shower or it's your cooking or you're in the car and with busy parents, like family life is busy. You're driving to athletic practices and you're going to dance and you're going like, it's busy. It's And, and that it really is, I mean, this is a whole nother topic. That really is the enemy's <laughs> strategy to keep us mm-hmm. from not discipling our kids is just keep us busy all day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if we're in the car, what can we actually put on in the car? Can we put on a podcast that our kids can listen to? Can we put on a scripture, but have the Bible app, like you said, like coming out in the Bluetooth and pausing? What I'll do is we'll read through, we constantly are reading through the book of Proverbs because it's, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's a proverb a day, you know, for the mm-hmm. kids. And so that's kind of something, a v- very easy rhythm that they can get into but we're not just gonna like listen to the whole thing so we'll listen to a couple of verses and i'll pause it and i'll say okay what did you guys think about what that verse just said you know and then we'll keep listening and then i'll Mm -hmm. say what stood out to you and i have to say elizabeth i love this distinction that you gave between not saying like what does that mean to you because I think that if we do that, then aren't we kind of just doing what you talked about when we opened up the podcast, which is, is truth relative? You know, right. like if I can say, okay, well, this is what that scripture means to me. Well, now it's okay for somebody else to say, well, that is not what it means to me. It means this. And while there are going to be different applications of the scripture, 
there is only one meaning of the scripture. And so to really help kids to understand that there are some scriptures in the Bible. I tell Mike, I'm very honest and just transparent with my kids about everything. But like when I read the Bible, there's stuff in there I don't like. There's stuff in there that challenges my flesh. All of it challenges my flesh. There's things in there that I really don't understand, even as a pastor, that I have to go back and I have to really study and I really have to like seek the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Like, God, would you reveal to me? I'm really struggling with understanding this. There's cultural differences. I mean, there's all kinds of things, which is, again, why a lot of people don't read the Bible because they feel like it's just too complicated. It's too hard to understand. And so these two very simple things that you said, staying in the scripture and then being an active part of the body, not just going to church on a Sunday, but really being an active part of the body of Christ, that's that's gold that that is like we could just stop the podcast right there like that is what people need to hear well that's god's word not me god's word has made that clear yeah (laughs) that's why it's gold but yeah just um as a helpful resource you know as you mentioned sometimes it's intimidating for us to dive into scripture because we're like cultural differences and different things in the background and i don't know this whole story a really helpful resource is um the bible recap podcast yes i love it i love it love it love it Yeah. So it's just helpful for anyone who's like, I've never read through the whole Bible, but I really want to because it gives, you know, you do the reading on your own. You look for, you know, like a truth that's revealed about God. And then you listen to the podcast and anything. Now, it doesn't answer every single question you're ever going to have, nor does the um, podcast host have every single answer. But it can help clear up some confusion or bring in some of the cultural background to help you understand it more. I've just found it as a resource. No, that's great. And I'll actually link to the Bible recap uh, podcast and the show notes of this podcast. And they're short, you know, like she really does a great Mm -hmm. job at like taking a passage and just there's, it's not 30 minutes. They're really short, you know, and, and you can actually grow from that. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for the reminder on that. That's really good. Um, I want to ask you a question, you know, a lot of times in churches I found again, just, you know, kind of throwing myself under the bus here as a pastor in my church. A lot of times I feel like even churches will rely on um, curriculum to really like do the heavy lifting. And what I've noticed is that in a lot of our, we call our ministry family ministries, um, a lot of our family ministries, there are some amazing, incredibly anointed teachers who really want to kind of wrestle through the scriptures a little bit more with kids. And I love curriculum. I, I'm a big, you know, my daughter and I are actually doing a, a program, uh, like a fitness weight loss program together. Like I'm very much curriculum minded. So give me a program. That's what I need. Like I will, I'm a structured person. I like, you know, accountability and all that. So it's, it's, I'm not bashing the curriculum side. What I am wondering is in churches just as a whole, where I feel like we have kind of allowed the curriculum to come in and, you know, do the dancing and do the, you know, exercises and the crafts and all of that. And then the kids kind of walk away having this like fun experience where they learned a craft, maybe they learned a verse um, and, and that's it. And, and what I am seeing is that it's not really sticking. Like, I remember growing up, Elizabeth, my church, it was a small church. Uh, well, actually, back then, I, can, I always call it a small church, but I'm like, back then, we had like 700 people. It wasn't that small, wow. you know, but I remember my Sunday school teachers, like, 
having conversations with, there was no curriculum. Like they had a conversation with us about whatever was happening in the world. For example, we might hear of um, a, a teenager who got shot somewhere, you know, and I'm like eight, nine, you know, but I hear like a teenager got shot and then they would bring up a scripture and they would be like, let's look at what the Bible says about this, you know, and we would talk about the word and that meant so much to me that they could actually bring the Bible to a place of relatability in that moment. And I feel like that is something that is really missing from our churches today, where it's so much like program focused. And so these kids go through these programs, but then on the other side of it, they don't really possess a deeper knowledge of the word of God. So what is the balance? Because I know obviously you have a curriculum and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to link to it. Like, I love it. It's great. But like, what is the balance of a curriculum? And then just kind of that spontaneous, let's have conversations about the word of God. Hmm. Well, I think you're hitting on a few different things here. And the first thing I think that you're hitting on is the difference between curriculums or any materials that create dependence versus curriculums or any materials that foster skill development. And so what most curriculums, even most like Bible study authors and devotional writers, what they do is they create dependence that, okay, we're going to take you through this lesson. We're going to have you do all these activities. And then, you know, hopefully you'll learn something throughout, but next week you have to come back, you know, for, to us again, it's kind of like that um, the ancient proverb that says, if you give a man a fish, you fed him for, for a day. If you teach them how to fish, you fed them for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So most, you know, materials that are created within the Christian community just foster this dependence, you know, like read this book that I've written, use this curriculum that I've written, and then come back to me for the next one because you still need me. Where what we want to do is we actually want to train our, our kids with transferable skills that they can implement in any and every situation so that we're not just teaching them a Bible story and having them do a game and a craft, mm -hmm. but we're actually giving them a skill saying, hey, when you approach God's word, this is one skill that you need in order to be able to read it. And so today we're going to use it for this passage of scripture. You should be able to go home and use this in any passage of scripture. So that's, mm. that's one thing. The first thing that I need to be, I think we need to focus on you. Is this creating dependence on the materials or is it actually trying to foster independence? And then the second thing that I think you're hitting on is the difference between, you know, a formalized, formalized instruction versus informal application that we actually need both of these things yeah that you know like if you're if your Sunday school teachers had just said like hey a teenager was shot what do you guys think you know and just let you guys talk and then was like that was a good discussion we'll come back next week you know like that's not super helpful because right, you know right. as eight and nine year olds you probably don't have the wisdom to know how to apply the word of God to that situation where at the same time if you had just learned some lesson about you know what what biblical justice or what biblical love actually looks like, and it was never then applied to a real life situation. You would have all this head knowledge, but without any understanding of how to apply it in the real life. And so we need both things. We do need some formalized instruction, and it doesn't need to be a curriculum. It doesn't need to be you know a formal lecture or lesson, but it does need to be like, hey, this is a concept we haven't covered. We need to cover it. You know, even if it's just a parent or a teacher, you know, pulling out the word of God and talking about it with kids. And then we also need to have those real life discussions of like, okay, we read about this in the Bible and this is what, you know, the, then we don't really read newspapers anymore. So I guess not the newspaper, but you know, like, this is like the this headline. Like Google. Yeah. This <laughs> you know? is what was yeah. on Google news or whatever. Yeah. This is yeah. like the top headline today, you know, like how is what we've learned applied to that? So I think we need to think of those two things, you know, making sure that we're implementing resources that are fostering independence 
and then making sure that we're having the proper balance between actual formalized instruction and then just informal application and real life conversation. Mm-hmm. That's so, so good. You know, I think about going back to my story as a child. Um, I just want to encourage those parents out there who might be thinking, well, I did that. You know, I raised my kids in a good church mm-hmm. and I discipled them at home and then they still went off the rails. They still went off and started, you know, basically abandoning their faith. And now they're just living and doing their own thing. And I will say, you know, very, very well-known passage in Proverbs, you know, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they are old, they will not depart. And, you know, that our Christian faith is a journey. And for those parents who might be feeling some shame or some guilt or regret or whatever, because your children are not exactly where you want them to be, I will say that going back in alignment with what you're doing, which is really teaching the younger kids, not waiting for them to become teenagers or God forbid, you know, college students, but really starting small. My formative years as a child in my Sunday school meant everything to me. I didn't appreciate it as much. I love church. I absolutely love church, but I don't think I had an appreciation for what I was actually getting as a child. Most of the scriptures that I know today is not because I went to school. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because somebody loved me enough as a seven-year-old to like teach me my mom being the first person. So, I mean, I give shouts to my mom because my mother discipled us like at home. And then on top of that, I did go to Christian school and I went to church, you know? And so I had all of these kind of layers that were working together, but the scriptures that I learned that I still know today are from when I was five, was from Awana, you know, was from uh, church Sunday school. And so I just want to encourage those parents who might feel like, is it too late? You know, well, 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 let me ask you, Elizabeth. I mean, I think think I know the answer, but what would you say (laughs) to a parent who thinks I have a 17 year old? Like, is this too late? Or I have a 22 year old who I never Mm -hmm. did any of this with. Is this too late? Or I have a four year old and is this too early? What would you say to parents who have questions like that? Yeah, first of all, um, I would just encourage them the fact that you're still faithfully loving God, you're faithfully loving your child, and you want them to know and follow Jesus is a really good thing. Um, and I, I don't know from personal experience, but I know that this can be a really hard thing. And so what I would encourage you with is just reminding you of some biblical truth that God loves your child, <laughs> you know, that God is the one that is pursuing your child. And while God does call us to faithfully steward the responsibility of discipling our children, he never puts the responsibility of our children's salvation in our hands. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. We can't save our children. Only Jesus can do that. And also it's very clear from scripture that God is the only one that can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart. So for those listening with older children who are in a stage of rebellion would really encourage them to, to keep praying you know, faithfully praying for their child and also to continue pursuing relationship. You know, if your child is 17 or 22 or 46, you know, and has a hard heart towards the Lord, they don't need you every single day or, you know, week or month just to be, you know, like asking, have you turned back to the Lord yet? Have you turned back? You know, like, are you trusting in scripture? You know, they don't need you to do that because you've already, you know, you've already equipped them with those things. And, and as they're an adult, it's their responsibility then. But we still can foster relationship with them. We can ask them good questions. We can show them that we love them, that, you know, like we might not agree with the way that they're living their lives. We might not agree with the choices that we they've made, but we still love them because we want to reflect the heart of God. Now that doesn't mean um, encouraging their sin. You know, we're not going to encourage them, you know, if they're living with 
a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We're not going to be like, oh, I'm so happy for you. It's like, no, this is sin. And so this is ultimately hurting you, but we can still love you. We can still love, you know, the person that you're living with, you know, and love you without endorsing, you know, what you're doing. So that's what I would really encourage parents just to be encouraged to know that God loves your child even more than you do to pray, to continue, consistently pray for them, and then to continue fostering relationship because you never know what the Lord is going to allow in their life. And when one day come back or they're going to reach out to you and say, I need help, you know, and we want to, we want to keep that relationship open. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I know that you provide your curriculum for churches and for parents. And so how can people find out if you're a pastor or maybe you're a parent that's listening today, how can people find out more about you? Yes, the easiest way to do that is to go to foundationworldview.com and you can find out about all of the resources that we offer there. Awesome. And of course, I'll link to that in the show notes of this podcast. This has been encouraging for me as a mother and obviously as a host, just to be able to bring this conversation to so many ears of parents who I know are going to be encouraged by what you shared today. So thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, Dana. I think as a parent, not just as a podcast host, but as a parent, that conversation was so encouraging for me because there are some things that I realized that I have kind of been a little lax in when it comes to raising my own children and the faith. And also there are some things that I was encouraged, like Dana, you're doing a good job, especially those car conversations. I'm constantly having conversations in the car with my kids about the word. And maybe you've been listening to this episode. And again, like I said earlier, you might feel some regret or some shame or some condemnation because of things that you didn't necessarily do well, and your children are grown and gone. I want to encourage you that first of all, it's still not too late for you to have an influence in your kids' lives. Even though they might not be under your roof, you might not necessarily be actively raising them anymore. You still have influence and you will forever have influence with your children. So don't stop just when your kids leave the house. And maybe you have little, little kids and you're thinking, you know what, I am overwhelmed and I don't even know where to begin. Go back and re-listen to this podcast because Elizabeth gives some very practical tips that you can do to actually start right where you are. So again, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for everything you shared today. I think one of the things that I'm going to continue to noodle on is this quote that she has on her website, which is the Christian youth exodus doesn't begin with teens. It begins with kids. Think about that. Let's not wait until our kids get to be teenagers or young adults to start kind of reeling them into the faith. Let's make sure that we are modeling, really, that's what it's all about, is modeling an active, vibrant, beautiful Christian life before them, one that is attractional that they will actually want to emulate. So you can find out more about Elizabeth and everything that she offers at foundationworldview.com. And I will be sure to link to that in the show notes of this podcast, which you can find at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 165. And this concludes our marriage and family series, you all. It's bittersweet. I hope that you have enjoyed every single episode that we have done in this series. And if you ever want me to focus on a particular topic, maybe you've got a series in mind that you'd love for me to talk about concerning marriages and relationships, be sure to send me a DM on Instagram at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's at M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E. And I will be sure to get back with you. Well, 
As we end every episode in saying, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. And be sure to join us on Friday for our Faith Friday episodes. They're really short five to eight minute episodes where you can be strengthened and encouraged as you grow in your faith. Take care, have a great day, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.